0: Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we can be in this place this morning. Thank you that we can worship you, a faithful God and a loving God and a God of grace. And I just pray, Father, that your spirit would indeed rest on every person here, and that you would move, that you would fill this space, so that all that is heard would bring honor and glory to your name, and that it might impact our lives right where we live Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, so before I get to the Gump clip, um, let me take you to the book of Colossians, all right? Colossians chapter 1. If you will go there or follow on the screen, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read a big section of Colossians chapter 1. And again, this is a two-parter, so I'm, I'm not going to get through a whole lot today, but we'll try and set it up so that you'll be intrigued about coming back next week. But Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 9 through 14 is what we're going to look at. So a little bit of a setup here. Uh, the book of Colossians is written by Paul. Um, however, we, we're not exactly sure that Paul actually ever traveled to uh, Colossae, if you will, to the city. And um, he's writing, and in these particular verses, in these opening verses, he's writing to, um, to tell the young Christians there, uh, Gentile convert, now new believers, he's, he's writing to celebrate them, the reality of their faith, to celebrate the re- the. the The fact that they have come to not only hear the gospel, but believe the gospel. And um, he's coming and he's saying to them, um, this this is in the first few verses before we get down to the verse where we're going to start in verse 9. But he's saying to them, I am praying for you. I am lifting you up. And um, he's, he's writing to encourage them and to let them know that he is aware of them, that he hasn't forgotten about them, that they matter to him, that, 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 he, that he loves them. Just like a pastor loves and cares for his flock, he cares for them. So that's a little bit of the setup. And here we start in verse um, in verse 7, and we'll go all the way through 14. All right. You learned it from Epaphras. You learned it, talking about the gospel. What did they learn? What did they believe? The gospel, the message about Jesus and his power to save. That's what they learned. You learned it from Epaphras, uh, who was actually a convert of Paul's, And Paul, uh, and now this convert, went and planted a church in Colossus. So a little background to him too. You learn it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf. Verse 8. And who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Hang on to that verse in particular. Verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. There's Paul again saying, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding. Here's that word again. The Spirit. The Spirit. That the Spirit gives. Verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. So that you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So a big section of Colossians and we'll, we'll, we'll work our way through it um, over the next couple of messages. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. What they were dealing with in the was was significant, and it was challenging to their faith. And that's what prompted Paul to now write to them. Now let me go back to the Gump clip, and let me go to a Gump quote. Some of you saw the movie, watched the film, it's your favorite film, so you'll recognize this. Gump says this, this is a quote from Forrest Gump. You, you won't hear this anywhere else, folks, but at the bridge on a Sabbath morning, all right? Forrest Gump quotes, I don't know who was right, Mom or Lieutenant Dan, he says, whether we all have a destiny or whether we're floating around accidental like a feather on a breeze. The heart of what the Colossal, the Colossal, the Colosse Church was dealing with had to kind of do with this philosophical dilemma that Forrest Gump describes in the film and that which was illustrated in the the film clip because essentially what was going on in the, the church at Colossae was that people were coming along to these new believers and saying really, really is Jesus really all that there is? All this stuff that that you got from Paul via Epaphras is that really is that really substantial to really help you make sense of life? I mean after all is is there is there really a god that's actually active and engaged and is there really purpose and meaning to life or are we just sort of here and as long as we're here we should We should take in as much knowledge and information as we possibly can, and learn how to navigate life on our own, to lead to the happiest of lives that we can achieve. That was kind of some of the information, some of the philosophy being taught to the people at Coloss. Now, naturally, as you might imagine, that creates a little bit of a distraction and a disruption to people who are fairly still new in the faith. They're still trying to come to grips with the reality of a Jesus who came back from the grave. They're still trying to wrap their minds around the fact that there's just this one God. And and in this God is the source of all wisdom and truth that will help you navigate your life. But this God is invisible. We can't see this God. Maybe if I, if I acquire knowledge and I acquire wisdom, um, I, I can understand that. If I can sort of take an, a rational, enlightened approach to this life, that will help me make sense because there's knowledge and there's wisdom and there's rational thought and, and I can hang on to that. So they're challenged in, in really, really significant ways. Not unlike you and I are challenged. Secular culture doesn't always buy into the notion of this, of this Jesus. In fact, they probably look at us and think we're we're fairly ignorant people to believe that there's this Jesus or this God that sent his only son to save humanity to a lot of people it sounds rather foolish certainly doesn't sound rational or logical and so this is kind of the dilemma that they're faced with is there an is there meaning and purpose is there a God who is who has been intentional and in being active in our lives Or is it that we're just sort of left to the whim of the wind? And that was deeply challenging to the believers at Coloss. And so Paul brings a word at a very important time to try and encourage and strengthen and lift up and and inspire the believers because he did not want them to fall. He did not want them to lose faith. And notice what Notice what he says. Um, if you go down to, or if you go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, because you and I are kind of faced with the same uh, challenges, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, we'll put it uh, on the screen. Um, he begins to talk to them, uh, talk to them about how, how Jesus, how the God of the universe, continues to inform them about himself. How God helps to come along, how God comes along, how Jesus comes along, and by his spirit, helps to affirm and to reaffirm our faith so go to romans chapter 8 verse 11 it says this the spirit of god who raised jesus from the dead lives in you all right So you and I are in a similar situation as the church in Colossus. We're faced with all sorts of philosophies and truths and ideas about life and the meaning of life and where we came from and what is ultimately the purpose. Is there an end or do do we just sort of uh, exist here for a short time and then go away? And the gospel comes along like it did to the church at Colossus and informs you and says that Jesus, no, Jesus is real. Jesus has has placed Himself in your life intentionally, but He's not just a Jesus who saves. He's a Jesus who abides with you and continues to save you each and every day. Okay, that's significant. In other words, it's not it's not just that there's this message of salvation where people are saved from damnation and hell. It's that there is a God who saves, but then abides and helps you to have a sense of meaning and purpose and understanding in the life that you continue to live. Not only does He save once, but He sticks with you and He continues to save you because you need saving. (laughs) Don't you? If we were to watch you through in the week, we'd be like, Lord, please save them, right? Your children. Lord, please. That's the parents' prayer every night, Lord, please just save my children, right? So it's not just this God who sort of comes along as the as the the you know, the, the fairy with with three wishes and, and one of the great wishes is you know you can be saved. But he's a God who chose to come and to abide with by his spirit living within us is what Paul says here. And so then we're invited to trust and place our faith in this God as we live this life. It's not this one-time thing, but it's an ongoing abiding faith. That's why Liberty's favorite passage is so important. Because the very first word of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Reject all your personal philosophical ideas for the most part. (laughs) Lean not on your own understanding, your grasp of knowledge and your understanding of everything, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. Filter everything that comes at you, all the messages you're receiving, all the so-called truths that you receive, filter everything through Him acknowledge God, and he will direct your paths. He doesn't just save you once, but he continues to step into your life and to direct your paths and to save you. And I imagine for those of you who are believers in Christ followers, when we get to heaven, hope, maybe there will be some sort of giant video screen where we can replay the DVDs of where God saved us. Where God helped us to make the right decision at the right moment and we went a different direction where he truly directed our paths. Here's another one, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. Even if you wanted to, you couldn't save yourself. Regardless of whatever philosophies you ascend to, whatever knowledge you acquire... Scripture suggests that you cannot save yourself. That was the other thing that was going on um, at the church at Colossus, is that they were being fed the notion that if they could just achieve a certain sort of aesthetic, if they could just do certain things and or maybe you know certain rituals or certain practices, there had to be more to this whole God thing than just receiving and accepting and allowing Him to live in us and to direct our lives. There had to be more. You gotta do something. Oddly enough, that same mindset, that same philosophy, sometimes spills over into the church among Christ followers, right? We sort of begin to think, oh, I have to do something, something I must do, either to merit God's favor, or to just sort of not simply look like a lazy slob. I have to do something. And yet there it is in Ephesians two eight nine. 9, when it comes to the saving of you, you are saved through faith, this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. So ultimately it comes down to you and me arriving at a place where we trust completely in this Jesus and in everything that he taught So, I don't know how many of you have ever been on a leadership retreat, like a, like a leadership team building retreat. Some of you done that? You've done those things? Okay, apparently none of you are leaders. Okay. So, if you go on these things, it's it's normally a team building sort of thing. And, um, they do these crazy things called trust falls. Have you ever done a trust fall? Yes, you've done these, you've done these trust fall things. I think they're absolutely ridiculous, by the way. Great illustration, I get it, it's profound but i am not trusting those people that are down there supposed to be catching me all right that is just not i'm not down with that at all um, because i am literally putting them that my life in their hands right and if you look at the people on your team you might see somebody that doesn't necessarily like you right so they might be okay with with you falling through oh i'm so sorry are you okay right so i'm not real big on trust falls because you know, you can't necessarily trust the people that are there that are supposed to be catching you for the sake of illustration and I don't want to die for the sake of illustration right so I don't trust them I don't necessarily believe that they can catch me I'm looking at the size and I'm not real big but you know there might be somebody on your team that's not real big either you're gonna catch me so here's the thing here's the thing the God of the universe is enough to catch you and to keep you from falling. It's not that, it's, you, know, you can't rely upon any human philosophy, you can't rely on any human being per se to save you or to, or to catch you or to keep you from falling. What the gospel teaches is that there is a God who has the power and the capacity and the love and the concern and the care for you that if you are, to, if you are falling, Or if you are fallen, which is our case as human beings, there's a God who steps in, and he doesn't need a team around him. He catches you. He keeps you from falling. And so the lesson for you and me, and and here's the the crazy thing. If we're doing a a team building thing, we can actually see our, our teammates and so forth. You can't see this God. Well, you trust that he's there because you see his acts in nature. He's revealed himself to you at some level, but you actually can't see him physically, so you therefore have to, you really have to rely, you have to trust. By faith, you fall into his arms, and he sustains you. If you were to go over to Psalm chapter 40, Psalm chapter 40, it it, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the miry pit, out of the mud and the clay, and he set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. That's a God who not only catches you when you're falling, but he stands you upright And then he shows you how to walk. And he takes you through. That's that's the whole idea. He abides with you. He doesn't just save you once. He continues to save you over and over. Because as you walk through this life, as you do everything that you're going to do in this life, God understands that he needs to be there to catch you at times. And he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. That... Is really the essence of spiritual living. Where we come to a place where we don't rely upon necessarily what we can see with our own eyes, but we rely heavily upon through faith this Jesus who we cannot see. And yet he's a Jesus who has revealed himself through us because, to us because he's been with us. He's comforted us through junk. He's caught us when we were falling. He's pulled us out of dark, ugly places. He is still this God who has revealed himself to us. But I still, I can't see him with my own eyes. So, as Gump presented us with this philosophical dilemma of, is there any meaning to this life whatsoever? The gospel says yes, because there is a God who came, and he not only saved, but he promises to be with and to abide with you. He, pro- he, he promises not only to be with you, but to actually to come and dwell inside of you. And don't get it twisted. That doesn't make you God. That just makes you a place where God abides. And there is fruit from that. There is good that comes because God's spirit dwells in you. And we nurture that spirit. We allow that spirit not just to exist in one small corner of our lives, but it begins to fill and blow up in our lives. And then we actually become these spiritual people. It's no accident that you are here. It's no accident that those of you who are watching or watching online, it's no accident you're seated in the pews and walking through this church today because God, by His Spirit, is orchestrating things. He's moving, He's acting. It doesn't matter how far away from God you are, it matters not your understanding of who God is or how many Bible verses you have committed to memory. God is working. His spirit is always working. He's always moving. Doesn't matter what you did last night or what you're going to do tonight or tomorrow. God's spirit is moving and active because he does have a plan, he does have a purpose. He is doing things. All right, I got to wrap up with this. So, um, Christina and I will celebrate. Twenty-three years of being married. Thank you. Thank you. She's a she's a dear saintly woman. She really is. I mean, come on. Um, but I'll tell you this: this is um, um, when I proposed to her. We were. I was just finishing college. Um, and uh, I I planned this evening where I would propose first I had to go through the the awkwardness of calling her dad and asking for a hand in marriage that was rough by the way Um, but he was cool he he relented and and gave his consent but then I planned this 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 time for the proposal so I took her to this this restaurant in North Dallas along the North Dallas tollway and uh, it's called Mesquite nicest restaurant that I'd ever was gonna have to pay money for and all that, but what I did, what I did was um, I set everything up. I I went early, um, or I went before the night that I was gonna propose, and I said, all right, I need roses. I want that table. I need roses. I need that fake champagne-like stuff so it looks really cool. And I just kind of need that corner over there. And I got all the wait staff involved, and I got like all the the manager. I was like, dude, this is this is going down at your restaurant. This is big, all right. So you guys gotta work with me. And um, they were really cool. They they did everything, planned the menu, had roses, chocolate. It was it was everything. And so sure enough, at the right moment, all the all the people and you know the wait staff and they all knew what was about to go down. At the right moment, they um you know I, I got down on the one D and everybody's looking and looking, and and I got down on the E, showed the ring, and, and she said yes, thank the good Lord, right? Because that would have been embarrassing. So so she says yes and we hug and, and all of them started clapping you know so they were all in on it here's the thing man it took it took preparation and intentionality to make that moment special and I think that I think that God is the God who is a God of preparation and intentionality he doesn't do things on a whim and the God of the universe goes around And he's he's looking for people to propose a relationship to. He's interested in abiding with you and in your life. And so he has he has pulled out all the stops and he has orchestrated and he's arranged and he's pre-planned and he's done all kinds of stuff to try and intersect with your life to assert to to the degree that he can and to the extent that he can influence your life and 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 become the sole one who directs and orchestrates everything that you do in your life that's what he does so it's not by accident you're not some feather floating off into the breezes a lot of this is God's purpose a lot of it is God's plan he's working he's moving because he wants to know you and he will tap into your spirit via his spirit So he can impact your life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you that we could be in this place. I pray again, Father, that your spirit would move. And I pray that you would act according to your will. And that many would be drawn to you because of your intentional plans and purposes that you're working out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.